Welcome back to another episode of Product Love, hosted by Eric Bodick, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Pendo, a product experience platform. Every day we use different kinds of products to help us go about our lives. Behind each product is a product manager who has carefully built something they hope their users love. This is Product Love, the podcast where we interview product managers and explore the craft of product management. Well, welcome, lovers of product. I'm here this morning with Christian Idioti. Christian, why don't you kick this off by giving us a little overview of your background? Sure. And thanks, Eric. I'm currently a partner with Silicon Valley Product Group, working closely with Mari Kagan, the author of Inspired. You know, we bring senior level executive experience to companies on how to deliver winning products faster. Prior to joining the Silicon Valley Product Group, I led product at a company called Merrill Corporation, which was a provider of SaaS solutions for measures and acquisitions. I also led product at Snag, uh, previously Snag a Job, and Career Builder in the HR technology space. I also stay engaged as an entrepreneur and a, and a coach. I, I support student-led startups every year, and I build at least two new products every year to ensure that I'm immersed in the trends and challenges that modern tech companies face. Awesome. Well, talk to me a little bit about you know how you first got involved in product management and what about the field called to you, and then and then we'll probably dig into some of those things you just mentioned. You know, working with Marty, building two products a year. There's some great stuff I think there. Sure. You know, I like to joke with people that I wish I were one of the few people in the world that have a degree in product management or a master's and a PhD. I actually stumbled into product like many people do, which is unintentionally, right? So, you know, I worked at a company called Career Builder. They had a competition every year where anyone in the company could submit an idea. And if you won the competition, you got funding to actually run the idea. And I joined the company and less than three months joining the company, I won this competition. And yeah, I am stuck with a massive capital or check to run a business. And so in some ways, I think the field called me. <laughs> I learned product by failing miserably through that experience and, and then succeeding at several others. Um, and to, you know, I've built over 100 products through that. And I, I learned that the key is to stay focused on the company, on the customer tackle your risk early and, and to collaborate truly with others. So it's been such an exciting uh, career opportunity that was not very deliberate. So talk to me about, you know, some of your current experience now uh, working with, let's start with working with Marty Kagan. Well, I, I think, you know, when I reflect back on when I started my career, when I joke with Marty, I said, where were you all my life? You kind of wrote the book after I went through massive failures and it came a little too late, but it's, it's super rewarding and meaningful work to share experiences and proven practices with many companies all around the world on how to deliver winning products and, and how to decide what we build, kind of this notion of discovery. And Maddie has been a great mentor and friend for several years, and it's um, such a privilege to be able to share in this journey and experience and to champion the work around empowered teams, around ensuring that you focus on empowering teams to solve hard problems and you focus on giving them outcomes uh, than output. So just really rewarding work. Yeah. And now talk to me, you mentioned that you you still build a couple products a year. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about why you do that and how you do that. Sure. So I, with the emerging field of product management and all of the trends and changes, um, things are constantly moving. And so I started teaching a class at a local university around product innovation. And every year I work with students in the class. I pick, I bring the class up to two teams. They come up with ideas 
And we picked two ideas. And the goal is to go from zero to revenue in 15 weeks. And what it does, it, it allows us to really harden some of the techniques and principles that we've put out around how to discover what to build and how to rapidly validate that what you're building is actually valuable and usable and works for the business. And so I partner with these teams every year uh, through this class that I teach. We start with an idea. We do all of the work with going out and meeting with customers, quickly validating that it's valuable. That's the most important thing. You know, working with partners on usability and, and the technology and then trying to grow a business from it. Um, and I've done that for uh, the last five years and fairly successful to see some of the challenges and trends with different industries and, and brands and where you can kind of take business. So talk to me about some of the products you've turned around and built and gotten to revenue in 15 weeks. Well, some of them have been really cool concepts and it's amazing to when you put out hard problems in the world to tackle them. You know, one of them was uh, recently uh, really around um, on-demand care for your car or your automobile. So in this kind of case, it's like bringing the mechanic to you than taking that out. So building an app in which you could request the mechanic to change your oil while you're at work or working with teams in the HR technology space to actually look at better ways to fill jobs quickly for short-term staffing or even around gamification for everyday life things and tasks, whether that's uh, people that have uh, passions for for games, for movies, for playing the lottery. So we've seen a range of ideas that we've explored with them. And some of these have made it to an exit stage. Some of them get into an accelerator program or, or you know, partner with other companies like Techstars or Lighthouse Labs. So these ideas end up turning into, in some cases, real businesses that continue on outside the class. Yes, yes. And uh, I've had two of these kids in the last four years that have uh, made this a full-time job, kind of leaving college, and this is now their career, uh, running this business. And so it's just exciting to be able to create that opportunity through this program. That's pretty awesome. So any companies we'd recognize? Uh, you may. I mean, I, I think uh, some of them are, at this point, uh, either acquired and, and may have rebranded from the original name. But you, you have things around in the, in the HR benefits field. You have things around personal mechanics that, that, and apps in the app store that you may see. But, you know, I, I don't think any of them have become household names today. Cool. Well, it's still great. I mean, I really like the idea. I think that's, that kind of program at a university would be pretty powerful. I wish they did more of it. I have been pretty disappointed with some of the programs out in the industry today around this. And more uh, maybe geared towards consumer packaged goods than they are towards technology-enabled products and being able to truly build software solutions in the market today that are really meaningful and valuable. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I think uh, the education we do at universities regard to product management can definitely be improved. And we're starting to see more, right? Carnegie Mellon has a master's program now in product yeah. management. There's more universities doing that. I was talking with someone from Berkeley who teaches you know, two really popular classes every year. So you're seeing more of that, but uh, we could use a lot more. That's right. That's right. So you know, let's go back to some of your history. You drove development of Merrill Corp's product organization, and you led them through this transformation. Talk to me about that and the challenge and why you took on the challenge. Yeah. Look, I have I, I worked and led product teams at several startups and, and growth organizations for the years. I, I had never taken on a complete digital transformation. And by that, I mean complete digital transformation. You're moving from 
on-prem to cloud, from waterfall to agile, from a project-based mindset to a product-based mindset, from a monolithic platform to a microservices architecture platform, you know, kind of reactive to proactive monitoring, test automation, CICD, um, all the works in this. I, I think it was a challenge what taking on and what learning from, right? And a way to start to see what it looks like to actually apply all of these discovery techniques or customer-centered techniques in an enterprise, in a large company that had been in existence for over 50 years. So it was also an opportunity to build a team from scratch, to shape and define a process, and to work on a global scale. So how did you get the organization to embrace product management? I mean, that's always been a challenge, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, look, I truly believe that, you know, empowered teams rely on trust to get work done. And so to some extent, the leader of product management is responsible for building the foundation of distrust. You know, companies trust product teams when they believe that the product managers or product leaders know and represent the customer, when they believe that they understand the business and the industry, and that they can champion a compelling vision. You know, when I joined the company, my first priority was to spend time on the road with customers. You know, I spent the first 90 days traveling globally with sales and meeting with our customers, learning quickly about the markets and industries and customers that we serve, learning about the business, understanding their latent and hidden needs. That was super important. You know, if you if you think about it, the average cost of a two-week sprint for a 10-person cross-functional product team is roughly between fifty-five and sixty-five thousand dollars. And you know, we had over 15 teams when I was leading that team. And so I had to lead a team to make decisions on how to spend close to a million dollars every two weeks, right? And so you have to ensure that what you're building is valuable, feasible, usable, and works for the business. And the business is trusting you to make that investment on its behalf because it believes you're in the best position to make the smartest investments. And the only way they can believe that is if they believe you know the customer better than they do, or if you understand the problems the organization should be solving, and that true the speed and agility and the techniques that you use in discovery, you're actually going to be building the most valuable things for the business. So I, I really think organizations embrace product management when they see outcomes, you know, like growth, revenue, retention, market adoption, when they see those outcomes surpass or eclipse what they would have gotten if they were focused on output or futures, right? When they realize that they can fund teams to actually tackle hard problems than fund them to deliver features. And they start to truly gain the value of product management from that. And what challenges did you face? What were the big challenges here? I had to imagine there had to be quite a few. Look, I, I mean, if you, <laughs> I typically say all problems are people problems, not necessarily that people cost all the problems, but that you do need people to fix any problem that you identify. And to some extent, if you think about the change management, culture and mindset, becomes a big obstacle in any transformation. You've got companies stuck in their ways for years. And you have people whose jobs are threatened by the very nature of change itself. Because the way we've worked and the way we've approached solving problems, it's not going to get us to the next level, but it's all we know. And so change management, a big part of the challenge. Being able to hire and attract people, a big component of the challenge early on, and then the process of taking people along the journey, managing stakeholders and people that have been in a company for 30 years that will ask the question, what's different? 
why will this work now when it hasn't worked before? Or why should we place all our bets on our ability to actually discover and why should we trust you? You know, I think a big challenge in transformations fundamentally starts at trust. Organizations allowing teams with some of the autonomy and discipline freedom to actually go solve hard problems on their behalf and to truly start to create value for the company. So talk to me about how this transformation, you know, changed the organization. What were, what were the big positive impacts you saw in the organization? Yeah. Look, I mean, the platform we built through the transformation was number one in the market because we engaged with, cost, with clients constantly. We had a unique customer-focused approach to innovation that solved problems that had troubled customers for years. You know, fundamentally, there was a heightened sense of collaboration and trust within the organization. This is beyond product design and engineering. We had a global collaborative product sales, marketing service, operations, creating a team of missionaries, right? Involved in in planning, we shared accountability, tackling business viability risks together, right? The, The business started to innovate. Through collaboration, you see it with significant revenue growth year over year. And probably one of the most successful product launches I've seen in my career. I mean, we had 90% 90% market adoption in 90 days, right? You know, and I, more importantly, I think the culture and mindset of discovery, of learning and growth became the new DNA of the organization through this. So do you have any advice for companies out there that are maybe, you know, on that, on the path and really early on saying like they're about to take that first step? What would you tell them? What would you tell the executives that are like, need to add on product and product management? I think one of the biggest mistakes many companies embrace when they are going through transformations early is they fund it as a project, as a very massive scale project. And it's important to know that when you have many moving layers in a transformation, many changing pieces, there will be dependencies. So they try to manage dependencies by hiring a bunch of process police people they're hiring program management and project managers, and they put together many checks and balances to ensure that they're getting the best ROI out of their transformation efforts. Look, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to need a couple of things. More importantly, you're going to need talent. You're going to need people that have been there and done this with a mindset around product management and equipping the organization with great leaders in that capacity or in those areas, leaders of design, leaders of engineering, will significantly play a role as a catalyst in the effort. Second, you're going to need those champions to build a lot of trust within the organization because the effort itself carries, uh, like I mentioned before, it's a heavy change management, lots of risk involved, lots of unknowns. And so to some extent, these leaders have to champion this process in a collaborative manner, You know, not going for consensus, but building commitment and accountability within the organization. And you've got to do it in a balanced manner. You know, I look at the transformation, uh, as I mentioned, the the technology transformation is one piece. Uh, There are so many organizations that are going through that. But the mindset and the culture shift is probably the most important piece. When people start to understand that there are faster and cheaper ways of deciding what to build and failing quickly or minimizing risk within the organization, you start to build an innovative DNA. And many companies just focus on kind of the the framework and the technology transformation piece. And you still have um, people that are on cloud trying to provision a server like they're on-prem, 
because they have not shifted mentally into that mindset. So we see a lot of those things there. And so I, I truly challenge teams, focus on people very early, ensure you have the right talent within the organization, focus on culture and mindset over process, you know, than having a bunch of people in here and take people along the journey. I think that's great advice. So, you know, it feels like we're in this era of product, right? Where yeah. product now has emerged. We're starting to get the seat at the executive table. What do you think? Do you think we're kind of in the golden age of product today? Oh, I really wish I could just answer that question as boldly with like, yes. There is a sense that we are, it's emerging as a discipline. But right now, there are just way too many techniques that are oversold as well as some very uh, probably unhealthy definitions of what product management is and what the role of product in an organization should be. So, you know, you, you see this trend with companies going from, you know, waterfall to agile and companies boasting or touting their agile in some ways. And, and I challenge them because their agile is probably still waterfall. But one of the first things people do is they, they change roles and they change titles. Like, well, let's stop calling our business analyst uh, product owners but they're still going to do business analyst functions within the organization. Let's change the name of the project managers to scrum masters. or They start retitling roles within the organization, but not really changing how they work. And so you, you see this false idea about what it means to be product-led. And you know I, I truly believe to be product-led means you have a bunch of people within the organization that represent a customer. And those people exist in a product organization. Right, So you're, you're leading because you're able to make investments on behalf of the business because you have the best understanding of the customer, the industry, the data, and the product. And you know, until we harden this discipline where people understand that this is the role of product, we will see more and more companies fund projects than fund teams. We will see more and more companies trying to buy solutions with their teams than funding teams to try things. And so, you know, this era is emerging where this discipline is evolving. I think there is now a broader acknowledgement that modern tech companies understand that to stay relevant, you've got to invest in this discipline of product. But we're still in that grind of old R&D, old IT thinking, and this tends to have, uh, you know, historic leaders that have worked in these organizations continue to ask themselves the same question. How do I know I'm working on the most important thing and what am I going to get for my investment, right? And this forces this mindset where when people with good intentions as product managers are stuck in organizations that are run as projects. Yeah, yeah, you, you can definitely see a lot of that. Uh, so what would you suggest for those product managers that are strong, maybe solid product managers, but are stuck in those old traditional companies? How, how do they help their companies move to becoming, you know, kind of more that modern SaaS company or that more product team driven company? Yeah, look, I, I get this question from product managers a lot. And in some extent, you know, one of the easy ways is to blame their leaders and the organization, right? So saying, well, the organization has to change from top down and they have to provide an environment for us to work in this manner. But like I mentioned before, foundational, it's about trust. And the organization or your leaders do not trust you to make the best use of the investment. Now, to some extent, it's true. They don't know any other model than to put these checks and processes in place to ensure that they are getting the best return from their investment. 
And what I tell new product managers, I say, you know, go up to your manager and say, look, I am taxed to decide what we build. And the best way I can make that decision is to truly understand the customer better than anyone in the company. And, you know, rather than being a backlog administrator where I'm just telling a, a delivery team or engineering team what to do, I would rather spend time out learning with customers and understanding what's valuable for our business and what problems we should tackle. And so I would love an investment in which I can engage with our customer-facing elements, whether that's with service or sales, or get out of the field myself and build that reputation. So I always advise product managers, build a reputation within the organization as being the expert on your customer. And do it in a very loud way where you're taking leaders out with you to go meet with customers. Because when they see you interact and engaging with customers, they start to trust that you can represent their views or you understand what problems are important for us to solve for them. So, you know, I always challenge them to do that first, you know, get knowledge of the customer, knowledge of the business, be immersed in the data. And when you start to do that, you start to get this natural seat in the table where many critical decisions don't get made without the product management discipline leading. And I think every team can do that and every product manager can do that without a massive top-down transformation. I, I like that idea of getting loud too, of doing it in a loud way. Yeah. Uh, Let so, people know you know. <laughs> so Christian, talk to me about how you build scalable you know, product teams. How do you build those high-performing teams? And what do you look for when you hire product managers and product leaders? Yeah, look, I, I believe it's the job of a product leader to attract, retain, and grow talent. I don't think we're doing enough as leaders to coach and support our teams. Uh, I, I look at that as such a big weakness in the discipline today. You know, I look for product people that have empathy. I look for people that are curious, kind of intellectual curiosity is a big stuff. Learners, uh, technology lovers. You know, I don't hire people today based on an education background, like, oh, great, you learned this in college. I mean, if you look at my resume, I, like I joked, I, I don't have any product management experience in my educational field. So I also believe people can also lend the industry and will lend the business. So most of the time I'm hiring people, you know, what, what, I, what we consider smart people that love to solve hard problems in that way. And you try to discern that kind of from your interaction with them. And through a rigorous interview process, you know, one of my favorite interview questions that I pose to product managers when, I, when I'm hiring them is I, I threw out a problem like, hey, look, I've got a friend, Eric, and Eric has a hearing impairment, you know, he's deaf all his life, and he just started a new job. And, you know, obviously, traditional alarm clocks don't work for Eric, but he's got to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work. Let's say I gave you this problem. And, you know, you had all the autonomy and empowerment to solve this problem. Walk me through how you go about solving it. And, you know, what I'm listening for with this is I want to see how people approach problems, right? And, you know, it's not like a ridiculous problem out there. It's one that people can kind of connect with. But you start to catch people in how they think, right? So you have people that I, I will see three patterns. Some people will run straight to a solution, right? Oh, you know, I am going to build a some vibration that will wake up Eric in the morning, right? I'll see people that will kind of you know, overthink a process. Well, step one, yes, what I'm going to do. And step two, I often catch so many people that want to say, hey, I'm going to engage with Eric, 
but fail to understand that, hey, do you know sign language? How are you even going to talk to Eric, right? And so some people, you know, but you see people that will actually say, I have no clue. I have no way to approach this. I actually get very curious about people that can start at the point of not knowing and acknowledging what they do not know upfront and then seeing if they can approach it with, okay, you're recognizing what you don't know. I, I don't know how to communicate. I've never interacted with someone that is deaf. And then I want to see how they will plan to learn. And those that are willing to you know, go out and engage and fearless about asking certain questions and about trying to discover or understand Eric's problem in that way. And, and so I pose questions like that, that truly with the goal of trying to get a sense of how they solve problems or how they approach problems and who they try to get involved in the process. You know, who do they invite in? Do they need a designer? And do they understand what kind of risks they need to tackle? And, and so I can play along with that question for a while, but, but again, the goal is just to see how people approach problems, how they learn their, their empathetic nerves and kind of how curious they are about that as well. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I mean, I, I think it's always interesting to see how people think their way through problems, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, there's nothing, uh, you know, a compelling vision too is a good way to attract smart people. Like I say, great product people love to solve hard and meaningful problems. So, you know, if you're a leader, you've got to have a compelling product vision. And then that's also another way to, to attract people and, and build teams. And you've just got to understand that the job of a leader is to coach and retain these people. And that's actually more valuable to the organization. So you've been a product leader for quite a while. Talk to me about how it's changed over the years. Oh, wow. You know, when, when I started, uh, there was no formal discipline like product management. You know, IT was building a lot of solutions and tech solutions, right? There were no real champions like Matty Kagan and, and books and things that really understood how to build products in a meaningful way. So I learned the hard way through a series of failures, you know, like, I mean, right now I, I, I tell that I haven't failed at a single product, meaning I haven't had a product launch that did not meet its outcome in the last 15 years, because now there are techniques for you to tackle risk upfront. You have a supporting cast of people like designers and lead engineers and analytics people and, you know, or data analysts that bring you data and inform and subject matter experts and product marketing people. You've got partners to collaborate with and support our work, right? You know, in the past, product teams existed to serve the business and not serve customers. And today, the best teams realize that they exist to save customers in a way that works for the business. You know, like I mentioned, they are funded to solve hard problems and not just given solutions, right? They Lots of handoffs. So this emerging field has, has changed so much over time. I think another piece is the pace of innovation is also changing. Right, things that we thought were far away, <laughs> almost impossible, ten years ago. You know, whether it's uh, self-driving cars, you know, how ubiquitous uh, AI and machine learning is in our everyday lives today, the consumerization of the enterprise, just uh, kind of mobile uh, in our everyday life and the immersion of it. You know, I, those have changed significantly. I also see customer expectations have also evolved heavily. Right? No one reads user manuals anymore. Right? No one has the patience to discover how cool your product is. They've got to pull it out of the box and it has to teach them how to use it. I mean, back then, the only thing that was that cool was probably an ATM machine. Right? The ATM was probably one of the only things that 
taught you how to use it. Nobody went to school to learn how to take money out of an ATM machine. You kind of walked up to it and it instructed you on how to do it. But today, I don't think there's a single you know, tech product that you buy that is not designed in this plug and play manner, right? There are less and less setups to it too as well. You know, you also find, you know, loyalty bars are very high. People are switching. You know, gone are the days in which um, you should be fooled that you're the only one doing this, right? Or our first mover is really an advantage. Right? Not so much anymore, right? Everybody can be disrupted. And any new competitor in your industry doesn't start off building all the things that your customers hate about your product. They start off by addressing all of your gaps. So continuously, you've got new entrants into markets and industries. And so it's very, very hard to, to stay sticky if you're not innovative. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I think innovation, customer centricity, all of those trends are great positive trends. And we live in a world of SaaS so that, you know, competitors will always be popping up that have a slightly different twist to what you do, usually going right. after the areas you're weak. Uh, and we live in a world that, you know, it's it's mostly based on reoccurring revenue these days, which means, you know, in order to get that, you have to drive this reoccurring value too. That's right. So it's been very interesting in how all that's changed. What what do you see as challenges moving forward for product managers in this new environment? Well, it, you know, I know many people don't like the term the product manager as, as the CEO of a product, but, but I think that term is used because they are meant to also understand the, the business and the industry, meaning they understand all the levers that drive value in the company. They understand not just the competition, but you understand the trends within the industry and the markets that they serve. I think the, the challenge for the modern product manager has to be the ability to tackle all of this risk in this very fast moving world. They have to be able to make decisions very quickly about what truly will bring value to customers, what truly can be solved with technology and what works for the business. And, you know, and, and while you have tools and techniques to, to do it, we don't have the luxury of two months or three month cycles or one year discovery cycles of, of our old R&D, where you're trying to discover the next cool gen thing uh, that will come out two years from now. We're talking about cycles of weeks to stay, you know, or, or cycles in which a company can make an announcement that they are going to launch something in the market in a month. And another company starts their discovery and delivery and actually beats them <laughs> to their release date after that announcement. That's the kind of threat. And so agility becomes more important, right? Agility, the ability to respond to changes in your market or industry and being able to do that in a meaningful manner, tackling risk. I think that's the challenge of the modern product manager. They, they have to be able to lead teams in that manner and drive true value much faster. So with that, I think it's a, a good time for us to kind of turn our focus to a little bit more about you, Christian. What, what's your favorite product? <laughs> you know, I, I think my wife and kids would probably say Amazon. Um, <laughs> in some ways, I, I, I travel a lot. But look, I, I think Amazon is probably the most consistently innovative company out there. And they are constantly learning. It's such a customer-centric company. And, and I see that in the ease of solutions, right? So, you know, I can be having a conversation with, with my kid and they need a book and Amazon delivers it faster than my ability to stop what I'm doing, get to the store, and pick up the book and bring it. And, 
they continuously learn from customer interactions, whether it's the ease of use with one click or recommendations, to the extent that you know, I set patterns around the things that we order over and over again. Amazon delivers that consistently. I think we probably are doing most of our grocery shopping at this point through Amazon. But you know, I, I use all the other things too, like Alexa and, and their devices too as well. And and I have, you know, no shame in how well they use my data to actually improve my life in that way. But, I, you know, that's probably what I love about uh, the company, the focus on customers, the ability to leverage learning from customers and translate that into more value. You talked about reoccurring value in that sense. So we talked earlier, too, about, you know, growing up and building product teams the right way, scaling them the right way, being the right type of product manager, having the right skill sets. What resources would you point people to? What books should they read? What courses should they take? What workshops should they attend? How would you help both the aspiring product leaders and also the aspiring product managers build their careers the right way? Yeah, good. Good question. Um, For product leaders, I think it's important for them to recognize that people build products, right? I'm still looking for a product that has built itself. You need people to build products and product leaders need to have that focus. And so if you're a product leader, I I want to see more anchoring around people development skills, coaching skills, being able to do an evaluation assessment, provide tools and techniques to actually help your people get better or deliver at the job and understand what's required in that job. For product managers, uh, you know, we talked about empathy being an important skill set. And so there are a couple of things that I always love product managers. I love people that have an interest in technology. So I always advise product managers to take a class, uh, like an introductory class in computer science or programming, something like that to actually, it actually creates empathy for what an engineer does to actually deliver code and an understanding of the teams that you're working with. I also love them to build up their business acumen. And so, you know, there's nothing like not being able to have a conversation with a CFO about PNL or about levers of the business in terms of EBITDA and profit and what drives uh, margin within the organization. And, and many product managers fail to bring a good sense or understanding to the business around that. So taking a class around business acumen would be great. Taking a class around data and analytics, you know, great books like Lean Analytics, um, also uh, another good recommendation there. but being able to leverage data to inform product decisions. And today for many companies, data is like an unfair advantage for companies that have been in existence for years, right? And they are not able to leverage it as effectively as they could to actually solve problems for their customers or to actually create new data products. And so I I often recommend for product managers to make an investment in doing that. Besides that, you know, I'll obviously shamelessly plug the Silicon Valley product group uh, newsletter and blog, because I think it's a, it's a great resource for any product manager. I will also recommend Ben Thompson's Stratechery. It's a great blog for understanding industry trends uh, that are out there and staying in touch with changes in the marketplace, which I think it's great for product managers. And stay relevant. You know, the, the best way to stay relevant is by engaging with customers. I, I have still not found any substitute for being that person, that person that speaks in that voice, has that deep understanding you know, nothing else uh, has been more valuable to the modern technology company than a product manager with a deep understanding of customers. 
This has been great. I mean, you can hear the passion in your voice over the last few questions in particular, <laughs> right? About where things are going and challenges and how you become that that product leader that uh, you should aspire to be. I've really enjoyed this. So one final question for you, Christian, before I let you go. What about three words to describe yourself? <laughs> you know, I think everybody that has worked with me will will say I'm super passionate and, and passionate about people in, in some ways, super generous and always a visionary. You know, I, I think um, I'm a deep believer in people. I, I believe all problems are people problems, like I said. And so I stay very much so in my life about caring for people, growing for people, growing people, and to some extent ensuring that um, through their interaction with media, better professionally and personally. Well, thank you. This has been great. Eric, thank you so much. Um, I'm glad I could make the time to do this. This has been Product Love. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Check out the rest of our articles and interviews on productcraft.com, an online magazine by and for product people.